Shri Gaudiya Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Shri Jiva Goswami Ki Jai, Sat Sandarbhas Ki Jai, Anantakota Vaishnavinda Ki Jai. Glorious devotees, thank you so much for coming to this presentation on Srila Jiva Goswami's Sat Sandarbhas. Uh, we're going to continue today to discuss the epistemology or the basis upon which Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, the basis of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. In our last discussion, we went over the fact that um, there's something extremely different about spiritual inquiry into revelation and an approach to acquiring knowledge about spirituality. So we're going to continue uh, from there. Uh, we've, we've come to the point now where Jiva Goswami has established what is the significance of Sabda being a trans-empirical um, revelation of um, beyond what we can experience uh, with, within the material world, with our senses, with, with our mind. 
that there is uh, another source of knowledge uh, which will allow us uh, entrance into uh, a fuller and richer understanding of the nature of our own being and the nature of the full potential that we possess as a spiritual particle, as a spirit soul. So in the last class, we concentrated primarily on the nature of that kind of a revelation and the necessity for it being a wholehearted turning of consciousness uh, wherein we were we were granted entrance into a realm of understanding uh, and that entrance Jiva Goswami concluded uh, that entrance was through the medium of subda or transcendental sound vibration. So we'll quickly go through uh, some slides to bring us up to the point of today's discussion, wherein we are going to establish the scriptural basis or the subda, the transcendental sound vibration upon which Gaudiya Vaishnavism is based. And Jiva Goswami is going to present arguments to put forth the premise that for those that are truly seeking uh, such uh, entrance into spiritual revelation, there is no better, there's nothing better than uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam. It is the topmost scriptural basis. And as we explained earlier, uh, when we began this presentation, uh, this is a, a revolutionary concept. Prior to this idea of the Srimad Bhagavatam being the topmost praman or scriptural evidence, uh, it's a fact that most theistic Vaishnav traditions in that culture, which was the, the foremost culture into, into spiritual inquiry uh, on this planet, the, uh, the Vedic culture. Uh, prior to this establishment of Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary praman, Other sampradayas had, of course, accepted the Vedic conclusion, but their acceptance was based upon um, the three highways, as they're known. Um, and those were the Prastana Trai, the Ten Principal Upanishads, the Vedanta Sutra, and the Bhagavad Gita, and the Acharyas of those various traditions uh, put forth. Uh, elaborate explanations of those texts to support their conclusions regarding um, spiritual revelation and, and spiritual thought. Now, going forward, um, I wanted to mention to you that um, 
we will rely heavily on a presentation, uh, which is a combination of slides with a little teeny picture of, of me as the speaker in the corner. Uh, the reason for this is uh, if we were to go to a full uh, video of just the speaker, um, our internet service here does not support uh, bandwidth, which allows just the video um, without uh, poor quality of the video and it, uh, actual interference of the audio. So we're going to stick with uh, these PowerPoint or uh, keynote presentations uh, going forward. And uh, hopefully, uh, it'll serve two purposes. It'll allow a, a much more seamless presentation of the material. And it kind of will allow you um, to enter into the, the text itself, because I will be relying he heavily on presenting uh, and preparing uh, this presentation from Jiva Goswami's Sundarbas themselves. So we'll continue here. Again, uh, let us always remember at the beginning of these classes that the first four of the six Sandarbhas are uh, based primarily on two verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Vedanti Tat verse. Uh, wherein we find Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate, that that non-dual absolute could be recognized by various transcendentalists, learned, learned uh, transcendentalists, those who are inquiring into the nature of, of, of their being. Uh, that absolute truth is viewed uh, through different, uh, in different ways. Those are primarily Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. And the other verse, which is core to the Gaudiya understanding of, uh, of the nature of the Supreme Absolute Truth, is uh, from the third chapter of the first canto, wherein we find uh, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, which was so. Uh, prevalently translated and, uh, and, and, and permeated uh, the books of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, when he introduced Krishna consciousness in a very, uh, very comprehensive uh, Sankirtan movement in the Western world, wherein he introduced again and again this concept of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So we left off here with the necessity for a epistemological validity um, in any inquiry into um, significant knowledge. Jiva uh, Goswami writes in his ninth Sandarbha, this is Sandar, I'm sorry, Anucheda. Uh, following the uh, eight introductory or Mangala Charna verses, 
The four topics were suggested in the verse from the previous Anucheda. Sri Krishna is the subject, Sai of this book. The book's relation, Sambandha, to him is the signifier, Vachika, to be signified, Vachya. Devotional turning of all the facilities to him, Bhajan, is what is meant to be enacted in all circumstances. That which is to be done, or duty, also known as Abhideya, or unconditional love for him, is the ultimate completion of such devotional turning, Ayojan. Now, in order to investigate these four topics, we should first determine a valid means of knowing, Praman by which these topics can be ascertained. If we're going to inquire into these, these items, um, what is the nature of the supreme absolute truth and, um, and how can we attain him? Or as Sri Chaitanya put it to Ramananda Roy, um, what is the goal of life and how can it be attained? This Anucheda goes on in this regard. Uh, perception, inference, and other such methods are deficient because human beings are prone to four defects. They are subject to delusion, mistakes, they are liable to misrepresent bias, and their senses are limited in functional capacity. Furthermore, these methods of acquiring knowledge are not at all suited to approach the transcendental entity whose nature is inherently inconceivable and beyond phenomenality. So that being the case, then we must find a valid means of acquiring knowledge, which is uh, beyond uh, our sensual realm. So this necessity for um, for coming to a place of spiritual inquiry, which, will allow, which allows revelation beyond what we can commonly experience in the world around us. It must be stated that the basis of sabda is divine perception, known as vaidusa prayaksha, wherein the Vaidusha, or transegoic perceiver, includes both God and the realized perfected beings. Thus, when Sabda is determined as superior to perception, it means superior to Avadusha Pratyaksha, or sensual perception, and it specifically relates to, relates to the field of the trans-empirical. So what's being say, said here is, Yes, there is perception, and we have our perception, and we're very accustomed to it. Well, we have our five knowledge-acquiring senses uh, ruled over by the mind. So we can hear, we can smell, we can see, we can taste, we can touch. And the mind is the regulating factor. And that gives us pratyaksha, or a methodology for perceiving, but there is a, a transegoic perceiving that is available beyond the
the sensual plane. And that is transcendental. It begins with transcendental sound vibration or divine perception. And that's referred to as subda. Just to how this works. Okay, excuse me for that. So now we'll go on to the tenth Anucheta, and from here we're gonna we're gonna take, as I said, the Tapa Sandarbha is the basis for all of the Sandarbhas. So we need to ground our ourselves in an understanding of of how Jiva Goswami is presenting his knowledge. So the Tattva Sandarbha can basically be divided into three major sections, the invocation or the Mangalacharana, uh, epistemology or Praman, how is the knowledge basis um, arrived at, uh, which is gonna, which, upon which all the information uh, or revelation in the case of of the Sandarbhas um, is gonna be based. So we call that epistemology. And then uh, also in the Tattva Sandarbha, we end with a little ontology. Uh, how exactly was, how exactly, what, it, what is it that we are to know and how did the original knowers of the Praman that is put forth how did they come to this conclusion? Um, so we're now at a point where Jiva Goswami is going to establish the Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary praman for sabda, the primary source of, of trans-empiric revelation or sound vibration. And he's gonna make some pretty profound arguments um, to put forth the fact that Srimad Bhagavatam is the primary praman uh, when it comes, and the primary scripture. Uh, it actually is the sun around which all other scriptural presentations revolve. And as I said, this is a very, very Gaudiya idea. You may not find other Vaishnav traditions, uh, even though they accept the Vedas, or, uh, utilizing this, this kind of an eye, this kind of a conclusion, and uh, utilizing the Bhagavat Purana as the primary praman of their schools of thought when it comes to spirituality. But for us, our spirituality is based upon these conclusions. So now Jiva Goswami is going to say, well, why have I selected? Why should you select as, a, as somebody seeking spiritual uh, revelation? 
as somebody seeking to enter into a deep understanding of yourself, why should you take shelter of this, um, this conclusion of Srimad Bhagavatam being topmost? So he say, states in the 10th Anacheda, consequently for us who are inquisitive about that entity who is beyond everything, yet is ground and support of everything, who is fully inconceivable and wondrous in nature. Perception, inference, and so on are not suitable means of valid knowing. For this purpose, the only means of valid knowing is the Veda, the transphenomenal aprakrita, words that eternally self-exist without beginning. They are the source of all phenomenal and transcendental knowledge that have been passed down intact through all authentic lines of succession, parampara. So he's beginning here. The only means of valid knowing is the Vedas. What he's saying is we can't rely on our senses because they're defective. And he's already pointed out those defects in the prior Anucheta. So therefore, we have to go to transcendental sound vibration, which is a purusheya. It's beyond human, uh, not beyond the human intellect, but it's, it's not coming from the human intellect and a human intellect specifically based upon material sense apprehension perception and material intellect based on conclusions or inference based upon those perceptions. So through this section on epistemology, I have, I have kind of pulled out specific annotators and in those annotators, just specific paragraphs or clauses which kind of bring out the essence of all that's presented there. The section on epistemology in the Tattva Sandarbha is extremely extensive. And uh, since these classes are going to the Krishna Sandarbha uh, for detailed analysis, we're just doing a, a, an overview here to to establish the principles upon which all the Sandarbhas are based, so that at least going into the study of the Krishna Sandarbha, we know the overall basis and the methodology and the, the groundwork upon which Jiva Goswami is presenting this knowledge. Then he goes on. He goes on to say, because at present it is difficult to study the Vedas in their entirety, and because their meaning is highly obtruse, and further yet, because even the great thinkers who, are, who have commented on the meaning of the Vedas interpret them in contradictory ways, we should study only the Itihasas and Puranas, since they are Vedic in nature and are conclusive in determining the meaning of the Vedas. Moreover, with the help of the Itihasas and Puranas, we can infer the meaning of the unavailable portions of the Vedas. 
Thus, at present, only the Itihasas and Puranas are the appropriate sources of valid knowledge. Uh, again, revolutionary point, um, and you will find even in uh, contemporary Gaudiya thought, many people will say, well, the, you have to go back to the original Vedas, uh, not Gaudiya thought, but uh, Vaishnav thought, uh, if you really want to, to understand the meaning. And Jeeves go is saying, no, we accept the Vedas, but if you really want to get to the heart of the matter and have something that you can relate to and you can draw spiritual inspiration from and even foster your own spiritual revelation from, then we need to go beyond the original four Vedas and go to the fifth Veda, which is uh, the Mahabharat, the Itihasas, and the Puranas. Uh, then on in the 12th Anucheta, he's going to justify, he's going to begin to justify uh, this conclusion. And I wanted to share with you something which is, is quite, uh, quite interesting in this regard. And this is from the commentary on the 12th Anucheta by uh, Sachin Das Babaji. Formerly, the Rig Veda was divided into 21 branches, the Yajur Veda into 100 branches, the Sama Veda into 1,000 branches, and the Atharva Veda into nine branches. So as we all know, uh, Krishna Dvaipayana Vyas, he wrote down the Vedas. And so it was all, everything was passed down orally prior to this, uh, him putting everything in writing through a scribe. And when he put everything in writing, he came up with these uh, 1130 branches of the various Vedas. And then it goes on to say, each of these branches has four subdivisions called Samhita, Brahmana, Pranyaka, and Upanishad. So altogether, the Vedas consist of 1130 Samhitas, Brahmanas, Aranyakas, and Upanishads, a total of 4,520 titles. Then we come to the interesting point. At present, only about 11 Samhitas, 18 Brahmanas, seven Aranyakas and 220 Upanishads are available. This constitutes less than 6% of the original Vedas. So in the short span of 5,000 years from all those 4,520 titles which comprise the original Veda, which were written down by Sridhar we currently can only find in existence, 6% of that original total.
Uh, just a little graphic to show you that. <laughs> so if that little piece of the pie would be how much we have available of the total original four Vedas at present. If somebody ever comes and says, well, I only want to study the original Vedas, you can say, well, that's fine, but you do realize that you have available to you only 6% of those original Vedas for study at present. Then Jiva Goswami goes on in Anacheta 12, in the commentary there also, some more interesting points. There are two varieties of Sanskrit. As we know, all the, all the scripture is, is coming in Sanskrit. Uh, Vaidika, Vedic, and Laukika, current in the world or ordinary. And only the first of these is found in the Vedas. A scholar of ordinary Sanskrit must learn extra vocabulary and rules of grammar, which require years of study in order to understand Vedic Sanskrit. So when we talk of Vedic Sanskrit, um, well, first of all, there was a societal, um, societal rules in place that only the Brahminical class were allowed to re-study the Veda because they were believed to be, of course, the only personalities who have the qualification to do so. All others were barred from it. And we notice it in the, the Vedic Sanskrit, the rules are such in the way that the Sanskrit is, is presented and composed, all the, all the rules that must be applied make it extremely difficult, if not completely impossible, to to alter the original presentation in any way. Whereas Sanskrit that is used in the Mahabharata, the Itihasas, the Puranas, that Sanskrit, Laukika, does not follow such strict regulation. Now, this will become very very much prevalent as one enters into the various commentaries um, on the Bhagavat Purana. If you become a, a deep reader of the various commentaries of Bhagavat Purana, you'll notice in various places uh, the commentators, whether they be Vishwanath or Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami, and his Kramasandarbha or Vaishnav, uh, Toshini commentary, uh, the very various commentaries says, they, they sometimes point out to us in their commentary, this is sometimes written in this way, or this word is used instead of that word. So we can learn from that, that over time, various presentations of the Puranas are, are changed. And as you know, prior to the printing press, uh, the scholars and the, and the inquirers 
if they wanted a scripture for their library, they had to copy it. So we can understand how these kind of changes would have been made where someone would have read, a sadhu would have read something and said, well, that the more appropriate word uh, would have been would have been this. And what what we noted note in the commentaries when we study them is generally, although a specific Sanskrit word may have been changed, uh, the commentary always, always generally points out that this does not change the overall meaning of what's being presented here, either that word or the other word, or even sometimes Vishwanath will say, this should be that, but he doesn't change the original uh, word uh, from the uh, text itself. So again, what's happening here is we're, we're, we're coming to an understanding of of why, according to Jiva Goswami, why why the Itihasas and Puranas are they're easier to understand. They're ready, written in a Sanskrit that is easier uh, to comprehend, and uh, they're in a form that's available to everyone. You don't need a, a Brahmana studying years and years the Sanskrit language just to enter into a study of these scriptural texts. He goes on in the 12th Anacheda, the Puranas are so-called because they complete Purana. It is not possible to expand the meaning of the Vedas by means of a non-Vedic source, just as one would certainly not employ lead to finish an incomplete gold bracelet. There may be an argument. Well, the Puranas really aren't Vedic in nature. They're, they're, they're just a supplement. They're not, they really don't carry the, the same spiritual significance and spiritual potency as the original Vedas. And Jiva's saying, no, Purana means something that simply completes. It completes the presentation. And you can't say that you would complete a presentation on, on the Vedas, the eyes presented there, uh, with something that was non-Vedic, just as you wouldn't complete uh, the manufacture of a gold bracelet with any other substance. This is his argument. He goes on to say, the Itihasas and Puranas are non-different from the Vedas in as much as both categories of literature are without human origin, a Purusheya, and delineate the same specific truth. So he's continuing his arguments in support of the significance and the acceptance of the Itihasas and Puranas as uh, viable spiritual revelation or Subdhava Brahman. 
Additionally, he goes on to quote from the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad as evidence, my dear Maitreya, the Rig, Yajur, Sama, and Atharva Vedas, as well as the Itihasas and Puranas, all appear from the breathing of the Supreme Being. So the source is the same. He presents more evidence. And now, as evidence, he is starting to represent the Srimad Bhagavatam. Brahma manifested the four Vedas, Rig, Yajur, Sama, and Atharva, from his four mouths, facing the east, south, west, and north, respectively. Then the all-seeing Lord Brahma brought forth, brought forth the fifth Veda, the Puranas, and the Itihasas, from all his mouths. Another quote from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Puranas are the fifth Veda. The Itihasas and Puranas are called the fifth Veda. So the source is the same. And the Vishnu Purana affirms that the Puranas and Itihasas established the meaning of the Vedas. On the pretext of writing Mahabharat, Sridhavyas, has explained the meaning of the Vedas. Without doubt, all the Vedas are firmly established in the Puranas. The distinctive illumination of Vyas, revealer of the Itihasas and Puranas. Here the word Veda also includes the Itihasas and Puranas. Thus, it is established that only the study of the Itihasas and Puranas is, extreme, is supremely beneficial. And of these two, the Puranas are more excellent. Lord Shiva confirms this in the Naradiya Purana. O lovely one, I consider the Puranas more important than the Vedas because the Puranas firmly established all the Vedic meanings, there is no doubt of this. Yuva Goswami continues, making his case. You can see he's gradually, step by step, building his argument for the Srimad Bhagavatam. So somebody may argue, Shilajiva Goswami responds to objections regarding Puranas being specifically presented according to the influence of the modes of material nature, some even suggesting Vedanta Sutra is more reliable. So of course, one can make an argument. If we look at the Puranas, the general library of, of uh, spiritual insight, that spiritual insight is written differently according to the audience. And the audience, of course, is to greater or lesser degrees under the influence of the modes of material nature. So there are Puranas in the modes of goodness, Puranas in the modes of 
passion and piranhas in the mode of ignorance or presented for the readers in those modes. The piranhas themselves, of course, are, are transcendental, but they're presented in order to uplift people who are to greater or lesser degrees under the influence of the Lord's external material potency. So one may object, well, you can't really rely on them for the topmost spiritual presentation uh, because, because they're, they're geared to different, to different modes, people in different modes. So how can we arrive at a, at a conclusion? So Jiva Goswami answers such an argument. Of course, their argument is, so we should rely on the Vedanta Sutra, which is uh, Srila Vyasadeva's compilation of the primary spiritual uh, ideas put forth in the Vedas. So it's like a, a book of sutras of these topmost spiritual thoughts. To that, Jiva Goswami responds in his 18th Anucheta, this problem could be solved if there was one scripture that had the characteristics of a Purana that was without human origin, that presented the essence of all Vedas, Itihasas, and Puranas, that was based on Vedanta Sutra, and that was available on earth in its complete form. Wow, if we could find that, then we've solved the problem. Oh, to this, Jiva Goswami responds, my dear sir, what you have said is an accurate statement of truth, and the specific criteria mentioned by you particularly brings to mind our revered Srimad Bhagavatam, the emperor of all pramanas, because it fulfills the said criteria. You said, if you could give me this, of course, Jiva Goswami himself has presented the, the, the problem in his uh, Anucheda, and now he responds to the problem he has created himself or presented himself. We notice that this is a recurring theme as we go on in his study of the Sandarbhas. He presents arguments that in order to bring out transcendental truths that where are, are just the arguments themselves are are phenomenal. Who would present such a such an argument? And only someone would which who would have the depth of understanding like Srila Jiva Goswami. So now we go on to the characteristics of the Srimad Bhagavatam that establish its epistemological validity. This is an introduction to a series of Anuchetas from 19 to 26, where Jiva Goswami establishes in a very, very substantial way, beyond any questioning, why Srimad Bhagavatam is that topmost pramana for those interested in a spiritual turning of consciousness. The Anachetas in this division, this is the division we're now coming into, delineate a few of the primary characteristics of Srimad Bhagavatam that further specify its epistemological validity. 
But again, this is not merely to convince us of the Bhagavat's authority as a discursive reference text about reality. The intent, rather, is to actualize the possibility of the direct knowing of that reality. So the primary characteristics enumerated, such as Srimad Bhagavatam is the natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra and the essence of Gayatri, function more as sutras or keys that turn or unlock consciousness to disclose their own meaning, identical with the reality they signify. Again, we're entering into a into a journey, a spiritual journey, which is which is meant to bring us to spiritual realization. Again, this is not an academic exercise. Don't look to these arguments that are being made in support of the Bhagavatam as simply some support for its authority uh, as a, a spiritual text. What we find in those that gave us the Bhagavatam, recited the Bhagavatam, and those that enter into the mysteries of the Bhagavatam is that they have utilized this text to unlock the, uh, a, uh, a doorway into spiritual revelation, which you yourself, as a sincere inquirer, can experience through participating in the discourse of the Bhagavatam. It is a spiritual text. It carries that much spiritual potency. It is subda. It is trans-empirical, and, and it is descending from the transcendental realm and contains the Lord's internal potency itself within its pages or within its discourse amongst the sadhus. It is truly a manifestation of the Lord Swarup Shakti. Jiva Goswami goes on. Srimad Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra and the essence of Gayatri. Okay, and let's let's look at Srimad Bhagavatam as being head and shoulders above all the other Puranic presentations. And there's some reason for that. So it doesn't fall within the purview of those Puranas, which are directed to various segments of human society based on their uh, preconditions, their, uh, their Im the impressions that they, their, the, the signs that they're born on, under uh, the modes of goodness, the modes of passion, the modes of ignorance, conglomerating into stars and were born with with, with all of that karmic baggage, uh, the Bhagavatam's presentation is for everyone, and it sets aside that. It's not just for someone in goodness or passion or ignorance. Indeed, Lord Vyas, 
was not satisfied even after compiling all the Puranas and the Vedanta Sutra. He therefore brought forth Srimad Bhagavatam, which was revealed to him in trance as the natural commentary on his own sutras. In Srimad Bhagavatam, we find the consistent reconciliation of all scriptures as understood from the fact that the Bhagavatam's truth revelation unfolds directly from the Gayatri mantra, the embodiment of the essential, essential meaning of all the Vedas. As expressed in the Bhagavatam by the words Dharma Projita Kaivato Tra Parama, the Bhagavatam propounds the ways of ultimate truth devoid of all forms of deceit and compromise. And as will become clear in the upcoming Anuchetas, this Dharma is indeed characterized by meditation on the Supreme Personal Absolute Bhagavan. We'll jump ahead a little. Therefore, concluding that Srimad Bhagavatam is the preeminent scripture and the only one that is imperative for us to study, Skanda Purana states, what need is there for accumulating hundreds and thousands of other scriptures? Revolutionary thought here. Uh, only this one book. If you're to have only one book in your library and to study only one book throughout your life, make it Srimad Bhagavatam. It will fulfill everything. It's luminous like the sun, as we know, it came after Lord Krishna departed. Thus, while there are many authoritative scriptures, it is specifically Srimad Bhagavatam that has been singled out with the statement. For those in Kali Yuga whose vision is, vision is impaired, this Purana has now arisen like the sun. This comparison of the Bhagavatam to the sun indicates that without its light, other scriptures cannot fully illuminate the absolute truth. Again, it is hard to underestimate the revolutionary nature of what Srila Jiva Goswami is propounding here in his Sundarbhas. He's saying, we can set aside all other scriptural presentations. We can set aside the Vedas if we could find enough of them to study. We can read other scriptures, but utilizing the light of the Bhagavat Purana to properly illuminate their meanings. So very, very revolutionary approach. Again, I've only brought out highlights here and I'll continue to share those highlights with you. Uh, if you want to dive deeply into the Tattva Sandarbha, uh, I did give quite a few classes on it in detail, Anucheda by Anucheda, or section by section, which is how Jiva Goswami presents uh, this knowledge. So he quotes in the 24th Anucheda, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam is the cream of the Vedas, and he uses the Bhagavad Purana itself as his praman. After extracting the cream of all the Vedas and Itihasas, 
Sri Vyasadeva imparted the Srimad Bhagavatam to his son, Sukadev, the best of those established in direct realization of the self. Srimad Bhagavatam is indeed the essence of all Vedanta philosophy. He who is satiated by the nectar of its unprecedented taste, rasa, experiences no interest in any other literature. I take refuge, refuge of Sri Sukadev, the teacher of all sages, the son of Vyasadeva, who out of compassion for those entangled in the cycle of birth and death, and who aspired across over the dense darkness of material existence, spoke this most confidential Purana, Srimad Bhagavatam, which is self-endowed with supramundane power, because the essence of all the Vedas, one without being the essence of all the Vedas, one without compare, and the light of supreme transcendence. Shiva writes further, consequently, while some scholars conclude that other Puranas are dependent upon the Vedas to derive their authority, Srimad Bhagavatam explicitly refutes the possibility that it may be dependent in this way. Rather, the Bhagavatam stands on its own authority. For this reason, it is, in fact, the highest manifestation of Shruti, the original Vedas. Thoughts like these had not been introduced prior to Jiva Goswami. This, and this is all based upon Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's love for the Bhagavat Purana. He was very much uh, this idea of the Bhagavat Purana being the topmost manifestation of spiritual understanding, of course, originated um, with its author, Srila Vyasudev, who, after presenting everything else, was dissatisfied. Um, we will speak more on this when we come to the next section um, regarding that revelation. So I won't uh, go there quite yet. Now we come to a a, a uh, two particular anuchetas wherein Jiva Goswami presents the way in which the Sandarbhas were compiled by him into the various Anuchetas and upon whom his explanations primarily depend. Uh, again, giving validity to his Sandarbhas in a very profound way for the audience of the day, so to speak. So regarding this methodology, an overview, this brief section consisting of just two short anuchetas is imperative for understanding Sri Jiva Goswami's strategy for analyzing Srimad Bhagavatam, 
which is which he has already established as his pramad in the manner of the self-disclosure of ultimate reality. It informs us of the manner by which the author has arrived at his conclusions throughout the Satsandarbhas. So the first of these, the theoretical formulations to be derived from Srimad Bhagavatam. So now, now we're going into, we're, we're going to begin to go into the text of the Sandarbhas. So in the Sandarbhas, we are going to be presented with the essence, which is what the word Sandarbha means, of what's contained in the Srimad Bhagavatam. And that's going to be presented very methodically and in a way that um, brings out Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan systematically. So the first four um, uh, Sandarbhas dealing with Sambandha, the Tattva first, we are, we are doing an overview now of Tattva Sandarbha. Then we have the Bhagavat Sandarbha, the Paramatma Sandarbha, and the Krishna Sandarbha. These four Sandarbhas give us a, a grounding in Sambandha Gyan or an understanding of the nature of the supreme absolute truth and in understanding ourselves, which will come out uh, profoundly in the Paramatma Sandarbha. And then we, he goes on in his fifth Sandarbha to present us the Bhakti, the Abhideya, the practice. How are we to, to engage ourselves in a way that this self-actualization of spiritual revelation can be acquired. There is a way, there's a methodology, and, and that is, is the practice of bhakti. So how should it be done? What is the primary focus that has, he has drawn from the Bhagavat Purana itself? All of these conclusions he's drawn from the Bhagavat Purana, and he's drawn them from the Bhagavat Purana in this way. Uh, and this is the methodology. And then, of course, the prayoja. He, uh, the Preeti Sandarbha. How do you love? How do you? How do? How does? How is that love experienced? And how does the Bhagavat Purana gain us entrance into that experience of the love, the rasa? For the Supreme. So I will go into this because I want to explain it a little more deeply uh, at the beginning of our next class. Uh, this, these two anachetas as to the nature of how Jiva Goswami is going to present his evidences in support of his conclusions, which provide us with these. Uh, Com with a comprehensive understanding of these three items, Sambandhabi, Day, and Prayojan, according to uh, the Bhagavat Purana or the Srimad Bhagavatam, which he's just now established as the primary praman with the sun around which all scriptural evidence uh, rotates. So we'll stop there for now. And uh, 
you have any questions? I have a question. Okay. I have a question. Um, I, you mentioned the Atarva Vedas, and I was reading in the Bhagavatam this morning, um, in the 12th canto, they're talking about the different Vedas. And one of the things they said, or I think it was Vishwanath said in his commentary, and I couldn't find it, I didn't bookmark it, but um, that Brahma gave the Vedas to Atarva, his first son, and I never heard that before. Have you ever heard that? I mean, I know it's one of the Vedas, but it didn't make sense. Maybe it was a misprint. Oh, uh, sorry. It was that. Oh, could you hear me okay? I forgot. Yeah, to I'm fine. Off. I'm not familiar with that enough to, to make any comment on it. Um, of course, we know that uh, the various Vedas are entrusted to various sages. So the fact that Brahma would entrust a specific portion, or did you say the entire Veda or a portion of the Veda? To he, well, he did give the Vedas to... Yeah, it says the, I think it said the entire Veda. I'm going to try to read it tomorrow and see if I can find it again. But the thing that stumped me was his first son, Atarva. And I was like, you know, that's what. Well, I mean, it would just be like a caretaker. Here, take care of this, uh, you know, this knowledge for me on my behalf. Um, you know, and that son, of course, probably was in, uh, you know, in the mode of, uh, Goodness primarily, Jiva's primary, I mean, uh, Brahmaji is primarily involved in uh, management of uh, worldly affairs. So for him to, to entrust that knowledge uh, to one of his offspring, certainly understandable. Okay. I, I thought the, that he was saying the name of his son was Atarva. I guess that's what I thought. It could have been, yes. Oh. That's also possible. Okay. The, 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 the Vedas had not yet been specifically named. Uh, and I'm not familiar enough with the, the, the Veda properly. Yeah, I, I believe, um, if memory serves me, uh, that the Atharva Veda uh, was all the Vedas originally, and then they came out from that. Okay. But, uh, don't, don't quote me on that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? If not, I'll take your leave. Thank you very much for your association. Bunch of properties. Hare Krishna.
Oh, oh, oh. 